What about in sports? Oh, I love this story. The Mexico City Olympics. Let's go to how one man changed the high jump, number one. The Olympic high jump changed forever on October 20th, 1968. The location was Mexico City. All was normal until a gangly 21-year-old civil engineering student in mismatched running shoes did this. That man's name was Dick Fosbury. Dick Fosbury. This was not the greatest high jumper in the world, but in 1968 at the Olympics, he won the gold medal by doing something upside down and backwards. He went beyond his wildest dreams because a coach encouraged him. What a story. Let's go to number two. In 1968, it was revolutionary. On that day in Mexico City, the Olympic Games saw its first Fosbury flop. And it has rarely seen anything else ever since. The high jump has been a part of the Olympic Games since the beginning. Faster, higher, stronger. It's there in the motto. And down the years, techniques have changed to inch that little bit higher. What started with a standing jump went through a period where scissors were the vogue. Then a straddle and the western roll. Each a little better than the last. But Dick Fosbury was lousy at it. Let's go to number three. But over in Portland, Oregon, in the mid-1960s, the young Dick Fosbury was a lousy straddler. He watched his hero Valerie Brumel break record after record. But the only thing Fosbury broke was his hand. Someone had bet him he couldn't jump over a chair, and he couldn't. But that was before Fosbury tried something new. He may not have been the greatest high jumper, but he was a brilliant engineer. And he combined his brain with his body and changed the world of high jumping. Number four. Fosbury applied some mechanics and learned that by arching his back, a jumper's center of gravity can stay below the bar, even as the body sailed over it. If they get into that perfect arch, it's a mechanical advantage uh, to use that technique. Jumpers before took off from the foot nearest the bar and span in the air to kick their other leg over first. But Fosbury changed the run-up and flipped the technique. Sawdust replaced sand, then foam appeared for the jumpers to land on. He didn't like to practice. He was a free spirit, this Fosbury. What a beautiful human being he was, or is. Let's go to number five. Out there in Mexico City, Fosbury was already not like the other guys. He didn't like to practice. He was a loner. He missed the opening ceremony to drive out to see the pyramids, watching the sunset and sleeping in a van. And his skills were as much in his head as in his legs. Fosbury psyched himself up for each jump, winning the 80,000 crowd onto his side and getting them to will him over the bar. When the newspapers first saw Fosbury jump before the games, they said he was like a two-legged camel. They dismissed him as a curiosity. But this camel went through the start of the competition without knocking the bar off once. The German coach ridiculed him. He wins the gold medal and never appears in the Olympics again. Mission accomplished. Number six. 
There were only three men left at 2 meters 20 centimeters. All were guaranteed at least a bronze. Ed Carruthers, United States, and Valentin Gavrilov, Soviet Union, both joined Fosbury over 2 meters 20. But Gavrilov couldn't get over 2 meters 22. Carruthers couldn't get over 2 meters 24. But Fosbury, like a champion, <coughs> dug deep. His leap over the bar at 2 meters 24 centimeters set a new Olympic record and won him a gold medal. Fosbury never came back to the Olympics he didn't as need to come back. after that day in Mexico City, but his name sure did. He said, I think quite a few kids will begin trying it my way now. And let's go to uh, developing the Fosbury flop number one. I developed this technique. It was not that I was trying to win, but I was trying to not lose. I was the worst high jumper on our team and in, in our league. And I was very frustrated. Uh, my coach allowed me to go back to using the old scissor style, which I had first started with. And, you know, just I had that intensity and focus uh, of my mind uh, to succeed. And, and my body simply followed and adapted to the bar. His coach encouraged him. Number two. And my body changed its position going from sitting up over the bar to laying flat on my back. By the end of the day, I, I improved by half a foot in one day. And I knew then that I, I may have something in uh, 1968 in, in Mexico. Let's go to Dick Fosbury interview number one. Well, I, d I never did. I, I knew that uh, this style was working for me. I felt that it was probable that some other athletes would be able to use this technique, but I, I just never imagined that it would become universal, uh, that every high jumper virtually in the world uh, would be using this style. And it's been amazing to live through and, and watch, uh, and it's, uh, it's great to see today that uh, the athletes continue to improve uh, thanks to this technique. Now number three. This was never a dream of mine. It was just uh, something that I progressed to uh, that year, and uh, my coaches prepared me to reach the elite level. I, I uh, became stronger. I was more serious about my training and, and eventually uh, reached that level, but I never imagined that I'd uh, take home the gold and, and uh, be ranked number one in the world. And here's the most interesting thing. The elite athlete is not interested in doing something revolutionary. They're going to stay stuck in their ways, but it's those who have the greatest to gain, the risk takers. They will adopt something brand new. Finally, let's listen to Dick Fosbury, number four. The elite athletes did not change their technique. It was the ones that were kind of on the fringe that the risk takers in order to uh, become better that uh, that really changed the world and the kids that had watched me at the games.